So tonight we're going to do, we're going to start a two-week series. So the handout tonight and the handout next week, they'll be basically exactly the same. I'm not exactly sure how far we'll get. I have an idea. Um, But when I look at the clock and I go, it's time, that's where we'll pick up next week. So, but we're going to be looking at, if you you have a handout, the title, Glorifying God um, in the Gray Areas. And so God's all about his glory being made known throughout the whole world. This is what God is about. Uh, God is the only one worthy uh, of any honor and glory and praise. No one or nothing else is worthy to receive any glory other than God alone. And he is very serious about being glorified throughout the world and also glorified in our lives. And so we're going to look at a couple verses here. By the way, we'll look at several verses tonight. But the first one is in Habakkuk 2.14. We'll be flipping around uh, quite a bit. But if you find Jonah, it's Jonah, then Micah, then Nahum, and then Habakkuk. We'll see if I can find it. There's Nahum. And Habakkuk. It's small, uh, one of the minor prophets, one of the small. It's a pretty short uh, letter uh, in the Old Testament. But Habakkuk 2.14 And we're talking about the glory of God, and so God being glorified. And Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. And so God is all about his earth, the world, being filled with his glory. This is what God is about. This is uh, He's all about his own glory and being glorified and magnified and made much of. So go back to Isaiah 42. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8. It says, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And so God does not share his glory with anything else. So he's all about his glory being proclaimed throughout all the earth, for his name to be great in all the world. And he is is, uh, very serious about being glorified in our lives as well. Uh, Go to Psalm 46. Psalm chapter 46. Like I said, we're just getting our fingers warmed up. We'll be uh, moving around a lot tonight. The Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. And this is, says, Be still. And know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. And this is just a few passages. This is all we'll read tonight regarding that. Just a few uh, places in in Scripture where God says that he is very serious about being glorified, about his glory filling the earth, his name be made great uh, throughout all, all the earth to the corners of the globe. And so tonight we're going to start looking at glorifying God in the gray areas, that we can glorify God. Now, clearly, um, we know that it's wrong to, you know, to cheat, to lie, um, to steal. If you were to go out and kill somebody, that's, that's a bad thing. That's wrong. Uh, we know there's right and wrong. There's certain things in Scripture that says this is right and this is wrong. But tonight and next week, we're going to be looking at what about those areas that 
the Bible doesn't explicitly talk about? What about those things that you say, well, the Bible doesn't really say, or maybe it's not real clear. How do we glorify God in these areas? And this is what we'll be looking at. These areas that we're looking at, they're neither black, black or white, but they're very, they're gray. You know, like what kind of entertainment is acceptable? Uh, maybe what kind of music is okay? What about the way you dress and what you wear? Uh, where do you go? The places that you go. How do you spend your time? And the list goes on and on. Some people would say, do what you want. You're free in Christ. Now, you've got to be careful with that. Yes, we have freedom in Christ, but that's not a license to go do whatever we want and live however we please. Uh, that is a complete misunderstanding of the gospel. That is a complete misunderstanding of who Jesus is and why he came. But often people, but we are free in Christ. So what are some, what are some areas in, um, that you would say are some gray areas? Social, yes, social media. That's a good one. Yeah, clothing. Yeah, the way we dress. It's important. Some things that the Bible doesn't speak to. There's, it could be a lot of different things. Um, what, one of the topic, one of the big debates, what about things like drinking, smoking, uh, then a lot of other different things as well. These are, you know, a lot of people are like tattoos. I mean, it could be anything. The Bible doesn't necessarily speak to these things, saying this is right, this is wrong. So how do we glorify God in these areas? So in addressing these gray areas of life, we're going to look at seven principles uh, tonight and next week. Not seven tonight and seven next week, but seven total. And they're all going to be found in, the, in 1 Corinthians. And hopefully it will help clear up some of these gray areas that you may have. Some of those questions you've always wondered, is this right? Is it wrong? The Bible doesn't necessarily say or it's not real clear. Hopefully, after we do this the next couple weeks, this will give you some clarification and clarity to uh, these issues. So we'll jump right into these principles. And go ahead and go to 1 Corinthians. And then we'll start with the first principle. The first principle is the edification principle. And the question is, and by the way, these are all on your handout, so um, you'll, you'll have them when you leave. But the edification principle, the question is, will this activity produce spiritual benefit? So whatever it is, whatever this, this thing is, you're like, is it right? Is it wrong? You don't know. The Bible doesn't necessarily say it explicitly. Um, is this right? Is it wrong? I don't, I don't know. We can ask ourselves, will this activity produce spiritual benefit? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. It says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And I know we, we know you all understand this. Just because something's legal doesn't make it right. Now, that's not necessarily what he's talking about here completely. But just because something's legal, there's a lot of things that are legal in our country, in our society. That doesn't mean that they're right. And so we ought to be about doing what's right, not what's just legal, just getting by. Uh, I talked to the youth, kind of talked about this last week, actually, I was in there, and talking about we got to be, as, as, as Christians, 
We shouldn't be trying to live our lives. How close can I get without stepping over the line? We like to know where the line is. And now, now we say, how close can I get without going over? How close can I get to this and not sin? That's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong, that's the wrong question. We want to, if we truly want to glorify God, we want to stay away from those things and we want to make good, wise decisions. And so just because something is legal doesn't mean that it's right. So this first part of this verse says all things are lawful, but not all things build up or not all things edify. Edify meaning to build up. This is one reason we come to church that we meet together is for the edification of the church, edification of the believers that we learn and we grow and we build one another up. We're built up by when God's word is preached, we're built up. We read it, we're built up. When we come together and we have fellowship with one another, we're built up, we're edifying. This is what the church, one of the things the church does when we come together. So this will this activity produce spiritual benefit? Will this activity enhance? Here's some other kind of sub-questions. Will doing this activity enhance my spiritual life and the spiritual lives of others? We have to remember that my actions don't affect just me. And there's people who are always watching. Somebody's always watching. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your grandkids. Maybe it's people at work. But somebody is always watching. And so, will this activity enhance my spiritual life and the spiritual lives of others? Is what I'm about to do going to be a detriment to somebody else? So we have to ask ourselves these questions because we're about building up and growing, uh, producing spiritual benefit. Will it cultivate godliness in me and in them? Will it build us up spiritually? Will this activity, that's in question, will it build us up spiritually? And if not, it's not a wise choice. If we, if we honestly ask this question and we answer with ourselves honestly, it's going to give clarity to that gray area. And so we've asked ourselves these questions. Uh, go to, hold your place in 1 Corinthians and go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter uh, chapter 3. Second Peter 3, verse 18. says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Read that again. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, Savior, Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So there are many ways in which we can build up others. And so at the foundation, at the foundational level, edification comes from, first of all, studying the word and listening to it taught. This is the first, first thing we need to be doing is reading God's word. In some of these gray areas, if we're studying God's word on a regular basis, we're going to begin to get some clarity on some of those issues. Yes, the Bible may not speak directly to it or it may be a little uh, unclear, but as we begin to study God's word as a whole, we'll begin to have greater, better understanding and it builds us up. So studying the word of God and listening to it taught. Second thing is showing true love to fellow believers as you fellowship with them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 
says, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge, sometimes people become very prideful because they have a lot of knowledge. But it says, but love, it builds up. So as we come together, do you love the people of God? Do you love being with the people of God? Uh, are you encouraged when you come together because we are loving one another? This is how we, how we can build each other up and edify. And finally, uh, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 12. And edification comes from obediently serving within the context of the local church. Uh, chapter, chapter 4, verse 12. I'll just start in verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers... To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. See, the body of Christ is made up of many members with many different gifts, spiritual gifts that God gifts us with. And why did God gift you? Just so you can have a gift? No, it's for the, it's for the edification of the church. We come together and, and we use our gifts that God has given us and we edify the church. And if you're a believer in Christ... You have a gift. God has gifted you spiritually. And we are, when we hold that to ourselves, we're being selfish. We are to come together in the local church, serve together, and use this gift that God has given us. It's a gracious thing that God does for us as believers. And we are to, and it edifies the church. It builds up. It grows. It, it helps the church become healthy and, and remain healthy. So when it comes to these gray areas of life, we should begin by asking if the choice we are about to make is spiritually profitable, both for ourselves and those around us. So we always need to remember, we always need to remember that my choices don't affect just me. They affect others and somebody else is watching. And so it's very important for us to remember that. The second uh, principle is the enslavement principle. Will this activity lead to spiritual bondage? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. And again, it starts out just like the first verse we read. It says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. I will not be controlled by anything. So all things are lawful, but I will not be under the power of any, be another way to say this. Uh, we have to avoid those temptations or activities that might resolve, result in personal enslavement. Uh, and this is not, this could be a lot of things. This could be uh, drug, drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be uh, pornography, it could be any number of things. And these things are very, they're highly addictive. They're highly addictive. For instance, you, you see studies um, like what porn and what um, drugs, what they do to the brain and what happens in the brain. It's the same thing. They're highly addictive. And so when we're faced with a temptation, when we're faced with a question now uh, that the, one of these gray areas, we have to ask, will this activity lead to spiritual bondage? And so the thing is, you may be able to say, well, I could do that and not become addicted. 
Does it have the potential to enslave you? Is it even potentially, could it potentially enslave you? If it could potentially enslave you, we need to stay away from those things. Paul understood that he was going to be under the power of Christ and not anything else. This is what Paul's about. He says, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to be under the power of Christ and Christ alone. I will not be mastered or enslaved and be in bondage or controlled by anything other than Christ. So Paul is speaking of sexual sin here, but it goes beyond that to, to any habit or behavior that might become a life-dominating or spirit-quenching. And the thing is, these addictions, they happen so easy, so quickly and subtly. Again, it could be, a t- I mean, we can't list them all. There's tons and tons of things that have potential to get control of your life. Um, it could, again, I was about to start, uh, throw some other things out there, but then the list just, it doesn't stop. Facebook, I'll just throw that one out there. Someone said that a while ago. Facebook, social media. Uh, it could be, yeah, it could be just uh, TV in general. Uh, it could be, uh, it could be workaholic. I mean, I don't know. It could be any, it could be anything. Does it have the power or potential to have to take control of you and lead you into bondage or slavery? Uh, go to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, verse eighteen. says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. See, here Paul is speaking of alcoholism. He's speaking of drunkenness. But does, it have the, does alcohol, if you honestly ask, and you, we all know people, <laughs> does it have the potential to enslave you? Absolutely. Do we want to mess around with something that has the potential to enslave me? Or do we want to be controlled by the Spirit? This is what Paul's getting at. He's talking here. So don't allow yourself to become addicted to that which is sinful or potentially destructive because any kind of addiction will destroy your life. It is destructive. We've seen it. Maybe some of you have gone through it yourselves. Uh, We've seen it in people that we know, people that we've loved. And, it, and it's, it, it is devastating in the consequences. So the question, the enslavement principle, will this activity lead to spiritual bondage? The next one is the exposure principle. Will this activity expose my mind or body to defilement? First uh, Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter six, verses nineteen and twenty. Do you not know uh, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You know, you, you've heard this kind of slogan thrown out there a lot in the media these days. You know, my body, my choice. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you belong to Christ. 
He purchased you on the cross. So we are to glorify God in our bodies. The things that we put in, the things that we do with it, the places we go, these things matter. Will this activity expose my mind or body to defilement? We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. If you're a believer, you belong to God. And that we are to honor God with our bodies. Paul commanded the Corinthians to avoid anything that might defile them. In Ephesians 5.12, Paul tells the Ephesians that it's it's disgraceful to even speak of the things they do in secret. And one thing about that is you may be able to, you may do something saying, well, nobody, I could do this and nobody would know. Nobody's around, nobody would ever know. But God does. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So you're taking him with you whenever you partake in this, even if no one else will know, even if you can do it in secret. God is with you and God knows. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. So we're talking about our mind. Will this activity expose my mind or body to defilement? And Paul speaks clearly here in Ephesians 4 about the things that we are to think about. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. These are the things we are to dwell on. And he says, dwell on these things. Think about these things. Where are we going to find those things? In God's word. Have to spend time in God's word. Um, and spend time and think about it. Dwell on it. Uh, ask questions. What does this mean, what does this mean uh, for my life? What does this mean for my family? Uh, is God trying to get my attention uh, we, yeah, that we think about it. And what does it mean? What is God, what is he requiring of me? What does God want from me? Is the decision I'm about to make expose me to sinful elements of a fallen society? If so, stay away from it. Uh, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. So I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Remember what we just read about our, our bodies do not belong to us, they belong to God. But it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is, the will, what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So what we see here is that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices. That we are here, that we, that we come to the Lord and we say, I will do whatever you want me to do. We surrender our lives to him. We do what he calls us to do. And it says that do not be conformed to this world. We are to be markedly different. As believers, we're not talking about like strange, weird people. That's not what we're talking about. But we're to be different. 
The way we think should be different. The way that we operate should be different. The way we see the world should be different. The way we talk should be different. The places we go should be different. The way that all these different areas, things we talked about, should be different. Because we're fundamentally different. When we come to know Christ, we are transformed. We are no longer what we used to be. Again, that word there in the Greek is metamorphosis, basically. The word we get metamorphosis from, which is a caterpillar to a butterfly. A butterfly is not a caterpillar any longer. It's transformed, and it can never go back to that. And so we are completely and totally transformed. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Changing the way that we think. How, how do we renew our minds? We spend time in God's word. We hear it preached. Uh, we, we fellowship with the people of God. Uh, we, we, we pay attention to what we're putting into our minds. Because our, our, our eyes and our ears are the gateway to the heart. So how do things get in our heart? Through our eyes and through our ears. And you are the gatekeeper of those things. You're the one who allows what goes into your ears, what goes into your eyes. And eventually it works its way down into our heart. And what happens when it gets into our heart? It comes out. Now, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So oftentimes when we've said something, we've gotten angry and we've said something. Well, where did it come from? It came from the heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we have to be careful what we're allowing into our minds. It enters our minds through our ears and through our eyes. So it says, be uh, transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So as, we, as our minds are renewed, we're able to discern what the will of God is. So we're talking about gray areas. As we read God's word, we're able to discern if things are right, if things are wrong. And just because it's legal, like I said earlier, doesn't make it right. So how you choose to use your body, along with how you, what you choose to put in your mind, should always reflect your concern to honor Jesus Christ. Does this honor Jesus Christ? Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to, uh, as, uh, to sin. Let me say it, start that verse over. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members uh, to God instruments for righteousness. It says, you've been brought from death to life. Again, you're fundamentally different. Don't present your members, your body, to sin. It says, rather, submit it to God as a living sacrifice um, for righteousness and to do the will of God. The fourth principle is the esteem principle. The esteem principle. Will this activity benefit others or will it cause them to stumble? And this is one that I believe is very important. Because are we free in Christ? there freedom? Yes, there's freedom in Christ. However, when we talk about the law of love and some things like that, we have to be willing to limit our liberty for the sake of others. 
Well, I've, had, I've seen many people say, well, I'm free to do this, so I don't really give a rip what they think. Well, by the way, the Bible calls that sin. That attitude is sin. And so we, we, have, to, uh, the, we have to be willing to limit our liberty for the sake of others. Romans, or not Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Verses 8 and 9. This food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care uh, that this, this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. In exercising your freedom as believers, uh, we must be sensitive to weaker believers. We need to see them as more important than ourselves. We ought to care about them more than ourselves. Paul cared about uh, these churches and the people of these churches more than he cared about his liberty, about his freedom. Uh, Hold your place there and go to Philippians chapter 2. And this is how we are to treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We find in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves which... Uh, which is yours in Christ Jesus, uh, who, though in the, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in the human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That Jesus, being fully God, says he emptied himself and he submitted to the will of the Father. Was he fully God? Yes. Was he equal to God in his godhood? Yes. But he submitted to the will of the Father. And and he says, have this mind in you, is that we consider others more important than ourselves. So when I'm making a decision, will this cause somebody else to stumble? Will, Will this cause another brother or sister to have an issue? If I love them, if I'm putting others before myself... The answer to that is no, and, and I need to stay away from that. When we put other spiritual interests above our own freedom, we are following the example of Christ, and we are to we are to become like we are to become and look and walk as Christ did. By the way, that's God's will for your life is that you be conformed to the image of His Son. Is that over your lifetime, some of you have been saved. Since you were this big, some of you have, were saved as adults. Uh, we've been saved, so we're all been saved at different times, but you never arrive. It's a lifelong process that you become more like Christ over, the, over uh, time, over time. And so um, that is God's will for your life, is that you be conformed into the image of his son. And so we, if we uh, put others' needs before our own, we are following the example of Christ. Uh, go back to Romans, Romans 13. 
Romans chapter 13. Verse 10. It says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. So love does no wrong to, the na- to his neighbor. Go to Romans 14. We'll start in verse 13. If I can find it. Oh, there it is. Okay. Romans 14, verse 13. It says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. That's the attitude of saying, I'm free to do this. Uh, the, the person is talking about saying, yeah, there's, it's not unclean. I can eat this with a clean conscience and uh, I'm free to do it. But if it causes a bro- another brother to stumble, if it grieves your brother, the scripture says, it says you are no longer walking in love. Say, I'm going to do this anyways because I'm free to do it. It says, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by, by men. So let us then pursue what makes for peace, for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Uh, The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blesses the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever doubts is condemned, is condemned if he eats, because he's eating from not eating from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. He says all that to say this, is that don't let, don't let there be an issue. You may feel totally free to do it, do something. You may be, and you may be right. But if it's going to grieve another brother, don't let that destroy that brother. Don't let that destroy the unity in the church. Don't let that destroy the relationship uh, with them. Is that we are the law of love? Is that I am willing to put lay this down for the sake of others. That's exactly what Christ did. He laid down. He put put aside his place in heaven. He laid down his life for the sake of others. He submitted to the will of God, and so we have to. This is the law of love: is that we love our brothers, we love each other more than we love our freedom. And go back to First Corinthians chapter eight. Verses 12 and 13. It says, Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat. I will never uh, eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Paul says, I am free to do this. He says, But if it's going to cause. Uh, issue with a brother, I will never do it again. I'll never do it again. 
You may say this is kind of weird talking about eating and things like that, but I'm going to give you I want to give you a real life example. And again, this idea is not popular, but it's biblical. By nature, we stand up saying, I want my rights. I have rights. And and we really don't. Um, We really don't. Uh, We are under, we are, I'll just stop there. But anyways, we are to follow Christ. Above all, we follow Christ. And uh, we are not to be demanding our rights, demanding our freedom, is that we love others. And so, again, I'm talking about in the church. Talk about in the church. We love one another as we're willing to lay down those rights. Again, this is not popular. It's not natural, but it's biblical. It's what, it's what Christ did, and we want to be like him. Example, I kind of got sidetracked there, but an example. The guy that we support uh, lives in a restricted nation. I'll just leave it at that. But he lives in a predominantly uh, Muslim nation. And he comes over here and we meet with him. And he, when he's here, he eats steak. He loves steak. But he will not eat pork. Why do you think that is? But, but yeah, because Muslims don't eat pork. That's offensive to them. So you say you may say, oh, this is kind of weird to read this scripture. Well, this is still a thing. <laughs> this issue, this one. When he's here, he doesn't eat pork. Would anybody over there know that he that he does it? No? When he's here? They wouldn't know. How would they? So nobody would know. But when he's here, he will not eat pork. And the reason is he says, I love the Muslim people, and I'm trying to reach the Muslim people. And so I will not do that for their sake. Great example of what Paul's talking about. He says, I want to reach them. So if they ask, one, of the, he said, one thing they will ask you is, do you eat pork? And if they, you say, yeah, I eat pork, they'll write you off immediately. He says, I don't want there to be any roadblock, any hindrance to reaching these people that I love. See, that's what a great example. What a great picture of what Paul's talking about here. This is what Paul was saying. And uh, it's so neat to hear a guy say, I'm willing to lay this down. And, you know, I'm sure he would really like it. I know he would. <laughs> no, one would have, no one would know, but God knows, and he knows. And he wants to have a clean conscience when he goes, and he's trying to reach these people. We have to be willing to lay down our rights because we love other people. And so when it comes to these gray areas, and this, that's why I said this is a big, a big one, because there's a lot of things all these gray things that could cause some to stumble, but will this activity benefit others or cause them to stumble? And if we're serious about building up, if we're serious about edifying, if we're serious about reaching people for the gospel, we're willing to lay down some of these the freedoms that we have for their sake. I read in 1 Thessalonians, again, this is not my notes, but it just... Stuck out differently today. I don't have it marked in my Bible. Maybe I can find it. If you give me just a second here. All right, give me a second. I think I'll find it. There we go. Second Thessalonians. It's talking about the end times. And it's talking about... Um, 
talking about uh, hell and the separation from God. And it really got me thinking is that every single person that we meet, again, this is not necessarily what we're, but every single person that we meet, whether we like them or don't or whatever, they're an eternal soul. And they're going to spend eternity one place or another. And it really got me thinking about, and really it's heartbreaking. When you start thinking about it, it's heartbreaking that there's so many people who are going to be separated from God. And these are people that we know. These are people that we love. These are people who would be, quote, unquote, good people. I wish I could find it. I don't have it marked. I have it marked in my other Bible. Let me see here. Okay. Uh, it says, the coming of the lawless one. This is uh, first Thess- 2 Thessalonians 2, verses, uh, verse 9. And maybe this is it, but it says, The coming of the lawless one is the activity of Satan with the power of false signs and wonders and with the wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So one day, every single person is going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And we need to care about them. And it is what I'm, what I'm doing. This, this, we're not going to do the, we'll, we'll end here tonight. The next principle is the evangelism principle. But is what I'm doing, is it going to damage or hurt my witness? Is it going to be, is it going to help bring somebody to Christ? Or is it going to hurt, hurt that cause? Because if our words and our life don't match, it's meaningless. We can say all the right things, but if we're, if we're making poor choices that don't glorify God, our words are empty. And that's why this, this, prince, this uh, fourth principle we've been talking about, will this activity benefit others or cause them to stumble? Is that we don't want to do anything that would hinder a brother, first of all, in the church, or hinder an unbeliever coming to know Christ because of the things that we do, because I have freedom to do them. I hope that makes sense, is that we don't want to hinder the work of God in that sense. Um, but that's where we're going to stop tonight. We'll finish the next four next week. But you, So the application for tonight and it'll be next week as well. But taking a stand in your own life and family, it's not being legalistic. It's called being a Christian. It means we're different. We're supposed to, we are called to be holy. We are called to be different. So asking yourselves these questions will help you develop biblical convictions in these areas. So when you're faced with a gray area, whatever it may be, and you've been spending time in God's word and you begin to be able to discern and you answer these questions honestly with yourself, you can be, begin to develop convictions, not just I think this is right or I think this is wrong. It's like, no, based on scripture, based on God's word, this is right or this is wrong. So hopefully asking this, these questions will help begin to develop those convictions. Paul continually challenges believers to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And by the way, when we walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, that glorifies God. It's really not that simple in a lot of these gray areas. It's really not that hard, let me just say that, in a lot of these gray areas. 
it's really not that hard. Because the last principle, and again, we'll talk in a little more detail next week, is does this glorify God? If we could just learn to ask that one question, that would clear up and clarify a lot of these, and actually most of these gray areas. Can I honestly do this and it glorify God? If the answer is no, is it right? No. Do we usually know the answer when we ask that question? Yeah. We just don't want to admit it. Or we'd prefer to do continue moving forward in whatever it is. So uh, I hope these questions will help. And there are things out there. With some, and there are things sometimes we're like, man, I just don't know. This is right. It's wrong. Should I do this? Should I not do this? We'll begin to ask these questions. And it will give clarity to some of these areas. And it will help you develop these convictions so that, if, so that you will be able to say, without, without a doubt, this is right. And I'm going to do what's right. And when we do what's right... God is glorified. And that's what our lives are to be about. We are called to be holy, and we're called to glorify God with our lives. So uh, we'll finish up next week with the, next, uh, the last three principles and a few other things uh, regarding, like, technology and some things like that, entertainment, those kind of things. So we'll finish up next week uh, with those things. So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we, we know that there are some things in your word that may not be explicitly stated, may not be uh, clear, but Lord, I pray that you, you have given us guidelines, and I pray that you'd help us to use these guidelines, that we may glorify you, that we may glorify you, that we may uh, experience a unity and a joy uh, with, to, when we're together with your people that, that is edifying and, and, and loving and, and that builds up, Lord, that we would grow in your word, and so Lord, I pray that you would help us to make wise choices, that we'd ask ourselves these questions to be honest with ourselves. Um, That is one of the hardest things to do is be honest with ourselves uh, when we have these questions. And so I pray that you'd help us to ask these questions, honestly answer, that we make choices that glorify you, and that as we do that, we'd also see people come to know you. Lord, every single person we come come across is is an eternal soul. And Lord, we want to see people come to know you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd use us to do that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.